Well, it was about a, uh, a year and a half ago, actually, at our staff retreat. It was in the springtime, and as a staff, we had gathered together just to, to plan and to pray together, and it was at that time that the seeds of this sermon series actually emerged. As we were uh, talking together and just wrestling through a number of, of questions about our church and just what we had felt uh, that God had been placing on our hearts, it was this question of how, how do we help uh, our people engage in understanding how God has created them? How do we help our people engage in, in serving in the church and feeling a freedom to use the gifts that God has given them? And what does that look like? And how might we help uh, people do that? And so that was uh, quite a while ago as we were talking and, and praying uh, about this. One of the words that we wrestled around at that time as well was this word of a volunteer. How do we think about the word volunteer when it comes to the church. Is, is volunteer even a good word to use in the church as we think about that? It's, it's a good word, but does it make sense as we look at the biblical text and how God calls us to be body parts uh, in the local body, in the, in the church? And, and in that, we, what we didn't like about the word was this idea that when you think about volunteering, you think, well, it's optional. Like, I can serve if I want to, or I can you know, decide to if I want to. And yet, as you look at Scripture, you see that as Paul is talking about, even in the text that we've been looking at, you see that as Paul is talking about uh, using your spiritual gifts in the church, it's not like it's an option. He's just sort of assuming and de- declaring that we are all body parts. You're just called to use your gifts, first of all, to be a gift in the body of Christ, and then to understand and to use your gifts within the body. So we even considered calling you know, the sermon series, No Volunteers, you know? Uh, it, not an option kind of thing, but uh, we landed on this idea of body parts instead. But I want us to have that in our mind as we continue on in the series and, and talking today about the things that we will talk about today, about spiritual gifts. This idea that is, is in Paul's teachings here and what we see throughout Scripture in this is that God has gifted his people through his Holy Spirit. This unique grace that he has given to have uh, unique gifts that are used in the body for the common good and for the glory of God. And that we are all called to use those in a variety of ways. And, and not to see them as optional, but rather to see them as, as ways that we are needing to serve each other and encourage each other. So a few weeks ago, Mike uh, started off this series and talked about the divine origin of these gifts and how these gifts come from God himself, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And how if people are using their gifts for the glory of God, and one of the ways that we test these gifts is, do they exalt Jesus? What's the origin of them? How uh, Do they put the focus and the exaltation on the individual, or do they give glory to God? And that's one of the ways that, that we test how these gifts are being used in the body. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the nine gifts that are mentioned there in 1 Corinthians 12, in the beginning part of that chapter. And again, talking around those and looking at other texts like, for, like uh, Romans 12 and uh, Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter 4 that, that talk about these diversity of gifts and how those nine gifts, even though there's nine mentioned there, they're not an exhaustive list of, well, here's all the gifts. No, here's a sampling of gifts that Paul was addressing and teaching on that uh, are still evident there for the church of today. And we have to understand how to grow into them, develop them, use them in the body of Christ. And we talked that week about these three things that are necessary uh, for the body to grow and for us to be able to feel like we have a place to use our gifts and to develop our gifts and to grow in them. And the first thing we talked about is just creating a culture of opportunity and safety. 
that we need to have a context and a church culture, which is why we're talking about this, to create a, a, a greater culture of opportunity where gifts can be used, and also of safety where you can step out and test and try and wrestle with and discern and so on. The second thing we talked about, what's, what's needed is that uh, if the first one is more putting the onus on the, the church as a whole, the second one puts the onus a little bit on the individual of this idea of not taking offense. That as we step out in our gifts and we, we try them and we desire to grow and to serve, that for whatever reason, maybe it's how it's received or how uh, people respond or whatever the case may be, that we would not be people who take offense of that, but that we realize that we have to walk in, in patience and in humility and continue to grow. And then thirdly, that we don't project our gifts on other people. That we don't have this projection thing where you, you sort of imply, sometimes it's, usually it's subtly to other people that, well, you know what, if you were really godly, you would have similar gifts to what I have. No, that all the gifts matter and that all the gifts are significant. Um, and, and as we have some of those things together, it creates this opportunity for people to grow into effective uh, body parts to the glory of God. And then we talked uh, last week about this idea that there are no nobodies, that everybody has a part to play, that all of the gifts matter, even those ones that are seemingly insignificant, that are more behind the scenes, that are described in different ways in that text, but that all of the gifts matter and that there are no nobodies, and that we are created to be an interdependent people. Not just independent on our own, but an interdependent people in the body of Christ. A diverse body of people that uh, serves together and grows together in maturity and in faith. And so today we're going to step into the last verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to talk about what in, in this translation, in the New Living Translation, talks about the most helpful gifts. Or in other translations it says the higher gifts or the greater gifts. And we're going to try to get our heads around some of what that means. But these gifts that are most helpful in establishing the church. And really it's a transition uh, text that gets us into chapter 13, which is the love chapter, which uh, talks about what role does love play as we step into using these spiritual gifts in the church and the importance of that. So let's just read our text today in 1 Corinthians 12 verses 27 uh, to 31 and encourage you uh, to turn there. So Paul continues on and he says, all of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. And here are some of the parts that God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, and those who speak in unknown languages. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have gifts of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. It's interesting that Paul has this numbering here in this verse, isn't it? You know, he says, well, first, apostles, second, prophets, third, are teachers. And it almost seems to go really counter to what he was just saying all, with everything preceding that, where he's talking about how important it is to realize that all of the gifts matter, that all of the gifts are significant, that there isn't a hierarchy of gifts. And so how is it that we are to understand that numbering that he does right here in these first three? It seems that he is, what he's getting at is he's, he's sort of giving a chronological thing of here are some of the things that need to be in place in order to establish the church. 
As you think about what it takes to establish the church, these are some things that need to be in place, and it's almost like a chronological ordering. Not a, that these are the most important, but as you think about establishing the church, these play a significant role. So first of all, this idea of apostles, that there would be those that are able to plan and to develop ministries. And one of the ways that we describe it is the divine ability to envision, launch, and lead new ministries that advance God's purposes. As you think about that gift of apostleship, it's, it's not the same form as those who were apostles who walked with Jesus. But that there are those people today who have this unique gift for, for ministry planning, ministry establishment, those who are able to envision and launch and lead new ministries in, in one way or another for God's greater purposes. Then the second one that he says, he says, second are prophets or these prophetic giftings. And one way that you could describe that is this way, the divine ability to fearlessly proclaim God's truth so that people are encouraged, challenged, and convicted and comforted in a timely and relevant way. And we'll talk a little bit more about that one in just a bit. And then thirdly, Paul says, well, you need teachers, the divine ability to understand, to clearly explain, to apply the word of God, causing greater Christ-likeness in the lives of the listeners. And how teachers are, are so important. And it's like Paul is saying, you know, if you want to establish a new work, and if you think of church planting or beginning a new site, or whatever the case may be, that, that these are things that need to be there, that there needs to be those who have some kind of gifting of apostleship, of starting new things, and of envisioning and planning new kinds of ministries in some way. That those who have this prophetic voice, who can proclaim the word of God boldly, those who have gifts of teaching, that who can come alongside and to disciple people in deeper ways, that these things are so essential in establishing the church. And then it gives this context when there's this viable faith community that is there. It gives a context for all of these other gifts to come in. Whether it's the, the gift of miracles or of healing or of helping others or of leadership or of unknown languages. Whatever the case may be that, that these other gifts then have a context that they can flourish in. So I think when Paul, in verse 31, when he's talking about earnestly desiring or eagerly desiring the most helpful or the higher or the greater gifts, whatever your translation says, I think he's talking contextually. I mean, just like Paul was talking here into the, the Corinthian church and he was addressing some of the things that were happening there and the gifts that they were experiencing in terms of the tongues that were happening and the prophetic words that were happening. And Paul is speaking into that and he's speaking into that context in a very unique way. I think as he's saying here, you know what? Desire the most helpful gifts. In other words, desire to be helpful. What are the ones that are going to be most helpful in your context at this point in time right now to establish the church, to build the church? What's going on in your community? What are the gifts that are needing to flourish and to grow and to uh, emerge in a new way that will be helpful for the body of Christ? Turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. And as uh, we've talked about, there are a number of parallel verses and we've been touching on a number of them throughout this series. And Ephesians 4 is one of those places, too, where uh, Paul talks about these gifts, again, similar ones. And again, there's, there's so much that we could talk about in here, but for today, we'll just focus on verses 11 and 12. Um, 11, 12, and uh, 13. So Ephesians 4, 11 to 13. Paul, again, teaching about these spiritual gifts. And he says, now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to, to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. And this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith 
and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So again, Paul pointing to some similar gifts that he just spoke about, that we just read in in 1 Corinthians 12. These gifts that are needed to establish the church. These leadership gifts that are needed there, but not just to do the work of the ministry, as Paul says, but to build up and equip the saints or to equip those in the church to do the work of the ministry in order to grow in maturity and Christ-likeness. So to grow up in the faith. And so again, this text that, that Paul uh, points to, and, and so again, some similar ones that he lists here of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. So today, I want us to, to focus a little bit more pointedly um, on one of those aspects. Because when we think about um, spiritual gifts, oftentimes we, again, we think about them individually and we don't think about them as much in the corporate body. And one of the things that, that strikes me is that we have this human tendency to overestimate what we can do by ourselves. But we also tend to underestimate what we can do in community, what we can do as the body as all of the gifts are are working. And today what I want to do is I want to to drill down a little bit more specifically into one of these gifts to help us understand it a little bit more. And that's that gift of prophecy. How do we think about prophetic giftings? How do we understand that in in the context of the church today, of our church today? Does it play out in any way? What does it look like? And I want us to talk about that. What I found is that oftentimes as people have a little limited understanding or the things that we don't really know, we sort of, we sort of fear. And so I want us to talk about it in a way that just helps us to understand in a little bit greater measure of how this can play out today and some of the various expressions of this gift. I think as you think about prophetic giftings and, and what I often say is people who have some of these prophetic giftings is, is that there's a wide spectrum. There's a wide range of how this gift is expressed. If you look in Old Testament times and in New Testament uh, scripture, you see that the prophets of those days were at times people who predicted future events. Um, they would sort of declare certain things that would happen. And one of the ways, as we see in scripture, that they are tested is do these things come true? But also, and actually more often than that even, is these were people who would declare the truths of God and the will of God and call people back to God in a very passionate way. They would call people back to God in terms of walking in God's ways, being obedient to his word, and and coming back from a wayward path or whatever the case may be. And so they would explain the relevance of the gospel and the will of God with urgency and with passion. And again, one of the ways that you could define this is this divine ability to fearlessly proclaim God's truth so that people are encouraged, challenged, convicted, and comforted in a timely and relevant way. You know, it's often been said, and I think rightfully said, that those who preach often have some aspects of this gift. Now, some people just relegate this prophetic gift to only preaching. And they say, well, in today's world, that it is only preaching. If you're a preacher, then that is where that gift plays out. I think it's more than that. I think it can be that in part, but I think that it's more than that. There are those who, who come to this and who have strong impressions from God, who at times even have certain visions or dreams, a sense of urgency as they look at Scripture that comes to them in a very strong way through prayer times and other things that, that comes as this prophetic kind of word in the context of community for the encouragement of the body. And so I'm going to today just have an interview with somebody, and, and Pat Dergossif is going to come. Glad to see you here this morning, Pat. I ho- was hoping that you would be. Come on up. Uh, Pat is going to just share a little bit uh, with us 
And I asked Pat uh, earlier this week, I just asked him if he would be okay if I interviewed him uh, about some of these things. And he uh, agreed. I, uh, I really love and appreciate Pat for a variety of reasons. He has been on staff in our church. He was the treasurer for a time. Now he is uh, no longer on staff with us, but he's still part of our body. And he uh, serves as the Saskatchewan MB Conference. And uh, what I uh, love about Pat, even as he has wrestled in some of these prophetic giftings, is the humility that he brings with it. And even how he holds these things, even I think ty- at times reluctantly, not sure exactly what to do with them, but, but feeling compelled by God to do something and wanting to walk in obedience, but not exactly sure how to carry this out. Would that be an accurate thing to say? Really accurate, yes. Okay. Right Is on. that mic on? Hold it a little bit closer to you. Just right here? Well, there you yes. go. Okay. Very accurate. So describe, Pat, just take a few minutes to just describe, how would you describe some of these giftings, how they've played out in your life? Um, how God has sort of uh, given them to you, grown them in you. Uh, just describe in a broad sense of how this has played out for you. In a, in a broad sense, uh, what happened, I guess I can, I can go back to a time about six years ago or more where we were on a, um, a personal visioning, refocusing of our lives, and we had to step through a few things. And what kind of broke it loose for me was that um, as part of our table group discussion, we were supposed to be able to express something that was a burden to us. And I sat there, you know, thinking, I got no burden. Something, I just had nothing came to me. And then a thought came. And what happened at that time was just a complete shock and surprise to me. I went from being a, just a calm guy around that table to be a blubbering, crying, just emotional. And I went... I went from that to be able to speak a little bit and then finally was able to gather myself and speak it out. What I was speaking out was that, and take this in context, this is six years ago or more, where I was really burdened by, the, by seeing the affluence of my church here, Forest Grove, and not seeing that affluence being directed at the, uh, the disadvantaged, the uh, disregarded and the, the displaced of Saskatoon. And uh, that's what really hit me at that time. And that kind of broke a few things loose for me. Um, and again, take it in context. I've seen a lot of the spirits moving, and there's, this is a different church from that many years ago. And we're all growing in this. I'm growing in this. But that kind of broke it loose for me. And from that point on, then, I was, it, it, opened, it opened my heart up. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had to step into a time of personal reflection, had to go to get a personal vision going, and um, that was a process where I was able to, um, <laughs> I was unable to put anything down on paper. We were given a couple hours, two, three hours to do this thing, and I could not put anything on paper at all. My mind was reeling. All I could, I had this picture in my head, and I couldn't get anything else out of myself. I came back, and all I, I sketched this picture out, and the picture that I was seeing was a building uh, with the words healing and something underneath, under, just under that, but it was healing. And to me, that was where people could come who are in those states, who they can come for healing in Christ. They would become um, fully uh, healed in uh, body and mind and spirit in connection with Christ. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was that part there. And 
before you go further, and I'm going to ask you a few more particulars about some other things that okay. God really impressed on your heart okay. uh, about that time. Uh, but before we go there, I want to back up just for a minute and just ask you the question about context. And I shared earlier about um, needing a safe place, a safe t- place to try things, to grow and develop in those things uh, where there's opportunity for that. Um, how important was that for you? Or describe that. Did you feel like you had a safe context or how important was that for you to just even to share what God had placed in your heart? Talk a little bit about that. That context was perfect in that it was a, a place where I could test it out. But what happened after that, um, about a half a year after that, um, during the time that we were uh, praying through uh, what our direction would be, if you recall, we had prayer times here at Forest Grove, what, what are we going to be doing? And Don Fraze, Pastor Don Fraze was leading that. And at that time, there was a one of my visions I had during this time at that retreat was just burdening me. I was, I was holding this thing, and I, I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know what to ha- how to handle it, or how to, should I share it, and I was thinking, was it personal, was it corporate? Didn't know what to do with it. I was in turmoil for a number of months. And um, at this time, uh, Pastor Don said, well, does anybody have anything else to share? And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, I don't know, you know. And it's like he looked at me again and said, does anybody have anything else to share? As if he's saying, get up, you know. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about that right now. I got up and I shared this. And it was such a relief to be able to just share out this, this vision that I had had and, and, and see the connectedness that happened with that. It was a safe place to do it. It was a safe place to do it. And it was, go ahead. We were, right at that time, it was the time when we were really wrestling through and discerning about even the whole multi-site direction. And right. whether, you know, we just stay in one location or whether we go to multiple locations, what does that look like? Yeah. And God gave you a really kind of specific kind of image and, and impression of something that, that you also shared in, in that setting during that season. And again, this is about six, seven years ago. Yes. Um, describe a little bit about what God had laid on your heart specifically and what that looked like. What God laid in my heart and what... Um Psalm 1, uh, verses 1 to 3, where it talks about the tree being planted by, by living water. Well, what, what, what came to me at that time, and I didn't know if this was for myself personally, and that, that's also something I've been struggling with the whole time. Are these things I see and experience for me or for the body? And um, I'm getting more comfortable with sharing with the body now. But So what I saw was was a a huge tree planted <clears throat> by the living waters. Excuse me. <clears throat> oh wow! And this tree was 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 a, was a fully grown, mature tree. It was planted in in the living waters in in the Word. It was connected with its with its maker. It was happy where it was. It was feeling blessed where it was. It was it was blooming where it was, it was planted, and it was. It was flourishing, but then around this tree were four other smaller trees of various sizes. This tree, this big tree, was losing, was, was having its branches and leaves trimmed. And I, I say trimmed because it wasn't just falling off, it was trimmed. And as everything was falling, these other trees, uh, four trees around, were around that. And it created a, a bit of an ecosystem there where everything was growing and it was support and there was, it was mutual. And these four 
and the big one were all intertwined with their root systems, all feeding on the word, all helping each other, all empowering, and it was this, just this picture of growth yeah. and mutual assistance. Right. And, yeah. Which is a powerful image, especially with what we were going through at that time. Now, you shared a little bit, too, already, but uh, when you've talked to me, you, you said, too, even when you just shared this, there was just this sense of relief of you didn't have to hold it anymore. You, you, you could now let it go. Talk a little yeah. bit about how that felt for you. Yeah, that was a learning experience for me, and that I didn't, when it's got to be, what is for the body, you better let it go, because it, it needs to be spoken out. Right. And, and when I did that, the sense of relief, uh, I, I think I floated out of the room. I was just so relieved. I shared it, and I was asking for discernment from the body. And that's where I find, I'm, since that time, I've really found that's where I'm able to share it, like I said. But that discernment, where people speak back into it, or maybe it just adds to what's already happening, confirms that. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that yeah, a few times that way, yes. Last question for you. How would you describe how this gifting is currently expressing itself or are you experiencing it in your life now? Just experienced it, just, just recently here. Um, a few Sundays ago, we were, we were worshiping here, and, and I, I tend to many times, um, will we'll close my eyes during the, during the singing part, and I, just, I find that I can focus better on, 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 on Christ. And we were singing away, and, I, and I, all of a sudden, I was looking towards the, the front here, and I could see the Lord was there, he was, he had his arms out, looking down, and he just, there was a glow, and there was a pleasure, and we were all just worshiping, worshiping him, and the band, the band was gone, like there wasn't a band here, they, they were with us, and uh, we were all um, just glorifying God and, and uh, worshiping him, and then I opened my eyes, and oh, the band was back. <laughs> So I closed them again, <laughs> and I did that for a little while. And I, I you know, I, I know the band, uh, the worship team is there to, 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 to be cheerleaders for us, to, to help us to worship and to, to, to encourage us. But man, we were doing it on our own there, <laughs> and it was just. But, but the worship team was with us. They weren't not there. They were with us, but they were were all together, and it was just a wonderful picture. Yeah, and yeah. then. I'm getting goosebumps again. 50th anniversary celebration. Last Sunday night. Right. What was happening? We're singing away, and I realized, that's the picture I saw. The band was over here, the worship team. We were all there, and it was joyful. It was glorious. Everybody was connected and just worshiping. Yeah. And it was that same, you know, God saying, yes, this is good. This is yeah. good, you know. And, yeah. Thank you, Pat. We could talk about so much more. Can we just say thank you to Pat for sharing some of this gifting? Thank you. Let me just add in a few other things. When Pat and I were talking even yesterday, I, um, I shared how last Sunday night when we were here at our 50th anniversary, and, and the image that struck me and what, what was so strong for me as I was standing here worshiping too is the platform was totally empty, and all I saw was the cross and the baptismal tank. And, and Pat just shared, wow, that was exactly what God had just so strongly impressed upon him. And so it was just a confirmation and encouragement for him. I, I want to ha- have Pat share some of his story. Again, not because it elevates this gift way up above others. It's just part of the body. And, and to have us understand that these things are just part of our body that express themselves in different ways. 
So even six years ago, as Pat shared some of those things, was that why or the reason why our discernment of moving in multi-site? No, not at all. It really just sort of confirmed some things that we had already been sensing within the church, within the leadership of, as we've been praying. And it was just sort of this affirmation and this picture of affirmation of multiple trees and so on. And so it comes as this word of encouragement. And, and that's what these gifts are meant to be. And again, to the glory of God. And then Pat even just shared how he just feels a sense of relief as he uses his gift and he just sort of lets it go. And I was, I was thinking about that even in the sense of, of preaching. And years ago, I, years ago, I used to grind away on Sundays and Mondays about, about sermons, about what I didn't say, should have said, could have said, all that kind of stuff. And God, by his grace, has helped me not to do that anymore. Maybe I'm not critical or analytical enough anymore. But just this freedom to release it. It's just sort of like, you know what, Lord? I prepared, I delivered, I did whatever I felt I was supposed to do. It's not my job anymore. It's like, it's your job by your Holy Spirit to do the work in the body. I'm finished. And there's a freedom and a release from that. So I don't grind anymore about it. It's like, you know what? Now the, the onus is on you and the Spirit of God in terms of what do you do with this and where does it go from here? So I, I want us, and thank you, Pat, so much for sharing, but there are so many stories like that, again, of just understanding about how do we understand these gifts in the body. And again, Paul, he goes on, and, and you read further on that he talks about order and worship. It's not about it being wacky or weird. It's just normal body parts of people with unique gifts serving in the body. And Paul does say, and he says, you know what? Understand your context. Understand what would be unsettling for people. Understand what order looks like in your setting. But to, to know that you need to allow for these uh, spiritual gifts to be used in different ways. And I, I think of in First Thessalonians 5 where Paul says this. He says, don't stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. And so this idea that, that Paul says, don't scoff at these things, but test them. And, and even Pat, as he shared some of those things, it was always in that question of, I don't know if this is for me or for the church. Would you please test it? And it was given and submitted humbly and openly for testing. Simple as that. That's when it it becomes a healthy part of the body. And again, this is one example of so many that we could talk about in terms of how these things play out. And and again, this idea of trust. And uh, I want to just make a couple of comments and and then conclude here. But but trust is so important. And and walking through these things where we trust one another, that it goes both ways. And and, uh, I won't spend long, but just say a couple of things about... uh, Personal trust, and it's something that has come to the forefront for me even in recent days of having been in Istanbul and meeting with our teams that are serving and missionary teams in the country of Turkey. And and interpersonal trust is something that is studied uh, worldwide. There's been many research studies, and there are countries that are very low on personal trust and some very high when you ask this question or make the statement. Most people can be trusted, or you can never be too careful when dealing with others. And how do people answer those questions? Well, some countries... Canada is fairly high, but not as high as Norway or Denmark or some of the northern uh, European countries are very trusting. And some of the countries that are incredibly low are countries understandably like Rwanda and all they've gone through. But Turkey consistently ranks incredibly low. And so I'm saying this to say our teams there have shared that it's so hard to build a community of faith when people don't trust each other. They come into the community and, and somebody is a new believer and they've been facing persecution because so often those people in those countries, the, the number one place of persecution is from their family and close friends. And then they come into a spiritual community and now another Turkish believer comes in and they go, I don't know if I can trust you. Are you truly a believer or are you somebody who's here just to tell the authorities? And so there's this distrust. That's the context 
that some of these people are trying to plant churches in. And, and so you have this mistrust. And again, going back to us and the, and the body of Christ, is that these spiritual gifts can only grow and develop and flourish when the trust starts to increase. We start to know each other more, trust each other more, the character of each other, and we can test these, th- these things. It's just so important. Our desire as a body, going back to the conversation a year and a half ago as staff as we talked about this, is that this is a safe place where we can trust each other more and that we can just grow and develop, ask hard questions, critical questions, wrestle with these things, and say, how does this fit in? And if you go on our website, there's a couple of places to find a tab there that's called Understanding Your Place in the Body, where you can go through and look at just a few ways that you can do this. First of all, just start serving somewhere. How do you understand your gifts? Just start serving somewhere. Get connected. Just play a role somewhere. It might not be in your primary gifting. It might just be a place of need. Number two, that you would just pray and discern, study these scripture texts, understand these texts that we've been looking at more. Uh, Just seek after God's face, journal things. He's the one who created you and knows you more intimately than anyone. What is God saying to you about the gifts that he has given? Thirdly, you might use a few uh, other resources. And there are some on our website that you can see. There's a list of, of spiritual gifts, about 23 different spiritual gifts that, again, not an exhaustive list, just a sampling of some of those things. You might look at some of those things. Could be helpful. And then fourthly, discern in community. Discern in the body. You don't discover these things in isolation. You discover them in community, in the context of your small group, in different prayer settings, in whatever the case may be, sometimes even in a gathering like this, that these things would be discerned together and that together we would grow into the maturity and the Christ-likeness of what God desires for us. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, We thank you and we praise you that you have given unique grace to your church, that you have given unique gifts. And God, as we've been talking about these weeks, we know that there are those here who struggle in this area. And sometimes we can become very skeptical or cynical. And God, we just confess that before you. Help us to see more clearly what you would have for us as a body in this area. And Lord, help us to be a place that is a safe place where there is opportunity and trust, where we to know and grow and understand these giftings in a unique way and to use them for your kingdom's sake and for your glory. Father, we pray that you would help us to be a healthy, growing body of Christ. And so for these things that we have uh, looked at today, I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would do unique work among us in each of our hearts. God, that you would take us into this week and continue to teach us, convict us, and show us what you have for us in these areas. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.